Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good morning, good Monday morning, but I'm trying to say. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hi, everybody. Time again for another edition of Coffee Shop Conversations with Jed. Today's topic would be small actions impact all relationships. And with that, we want to say good morning to our co-hosts. Good morning, Shatila. Morning, AT. Good morning, Jed. Good morning to you too, Jed. Hey guys, good morning. It's great to be back with you. Great, glad to have you back. Glad to have you back. So today you're going to talk about small actions. Mm-hmm. Small, like little things that being done will make big reactions. Is that what you mean? It is what I mean, and it's kind of it's been something that I've been fascinated with all this year. Um, really, this idea of what makes marriage work, what creates a happy marriage. And I think a lot of times it's not what we think. Now, with um, four girls, I watch a lot of of movies, a lot of Disney movies, fairy tales, princess movies, and (laughs) in almost every, yep, is my life. I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But it's funny because... Yeah, every romantic comedy, you know, everywhere, it's it's always the same same story or almost always the same story where two people fall in love and then there's some big grandiose gesture of love. You know, the prince rescues the princess from the dragon if we're talking fairy tales. Yes. Um, you know, somebody sets up this huge romantic situation, travels across the across the world to be with, a loved one who yeah. had moved far away, and then they lived happily ever after. So I think that's kind of the thinking today with relationships is I've got to do this big, grandiose gesture of love, and then after that, everything will work out. And that's I think really really the opposite is true. Is it's not those big, grandiose gestures aren't as important as we make them out to be, although they're very negative. But it's really the little things that are done day in and day out that make the most difference. What do you guys think? The little things make a difference. Yeah, well, you know, it depends on how you said little things because sometimes we do a lot of little things and don't realize we're doing them. And because we're so conditioned to do the big things, we miss out on those little things. So, yes, I agree. Mm. Uh, sometimes just saying hello, good morning. For example, here's a little thing that culturally I've learned in the Virgin Islands, growing up in the Virgin Islands. We say hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to whoever we see. We don't have to know the person and say hello to them. And many times when I'm with my American friends, they would walk right, by, right past me as if they're not there. Even when we have tourists to come to the island, they walk right past. We say hello, good morning to them. Some may, may respond and some may not. 
But that little hello, good morning to a total stranger, I get a kick out of that because I've just made a new friend, whether or not it's an ongoing relationship, but I've made a new friend. Does that make sense? Absolutely. What a great story, though. I mean, the little smiles, the little nods, the little gestures of saying hi. Um, it was not too long ago that Jenny and I had flown back to Minnesota, and we yes. had all of our kiddos with us. And when we arrived at our destination, one of our car seats was missing. And so we were in, you know, a little bit of trouble because we couldn't leave the airport without the, without the booster seat. And we thought, mm-hmm. well, no problem. This is an airport. You know, the airlines lost it. They'll, you know, find it and deliver it like they always do. And I'm sure they have a loaner seat they can give us. Well, it turns out when we checked in at the baggage claim, they were all out of their loaner booster seats, too. Oh, my gosh. Okay, this is starting to turn into a little bit of a fiasco. And then the yes. lady <laughs> at, little the, at the desk smiled and she said, you know what? I've got an extra booster seat in, in my car. Why don't you um, borrow one of mine? My kids won't need it this week. And just come back oh. and find me when you take your return flight home and um, turn it into me. Everything will be fine. I thought, no way. This this lady is doesn't know us, never met us, and she's loaning us wow. her kids' personal booster seats so we can get on the road quicker. I thought, how wow. cool is that? And it just yeah. changed my whole perception of this airline just in a second. Yes. It, you know, I was thinking, well, it's kind of disorganized. I'm not really sure that I like this. And all of a sudden, <laughs> by this one simple, small action by this employee, I'm like, wow, this is like a really cool airline, a really, really cool trip. Fantastic. Wow. Amazing. That was a blessing in disguise. <laughs> yeah, that was a blessing in disguise of the year. <laughs> wow. You never know, kindness goes a long way. You never know when you may need somebody. When is it going to come to you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I get what you're saying, ATN. They got this phrase, Minnesota nice, where you know everybody just says hi to everybody, smiles at everybody, stops yes. chatting it. It's just a whole different world. Everything slows down. Yeah. Everybody's a little yeah. bit friendlier, and um, yeah. it's a it's a little bit of a culture shock for me coming from California, where you know everybody's <laughs> in such a rush yeah. and minds their own business. And you know, if you look at yeah. somebody and smile, you kind of get strange look. Like, okay, what's what are you up to? What are you trying to sell me? Whereas it's just a norm back there, and it's it's a good feeling. I like it. Well. You talk about little gestures. I want to turn around and look at a big gesture and look how it backfires. <clears throat> Going back to St. Thomas now, we have tourists, particularly I'm talking about guys now. I'm going to talk about going topless. <laughs> Some guys decide that they are, the topic's too hot, so they're going to take their shirt off and walk down Main Street topless, shirtless. Let me put it that way. And that's an insult, basically, to the locals because no one locally takes their shirts off and walk around like that. And many times, I, as a child, as a teenager, I used to stop them and say, you know, you got to put your shirt on, you'll get a ticket. Now, whether or not they're going to get a ticket, I didn't know, but I felt I had to say something strong to get them to pay attention to a teenager or a youngster. But nobody really... The other thing about it, but I can see from the gestures of the local tomatoes, they're not too happy with that. That's sort of an insult. 
And that's something Americans do no matter where they go. We, we take the Americanisms with us, the big gestures, and it turns around and backfires on us because it gives a bad impression. Is that making sense? That's a great point. I mean, I think it's really about little gestures everywhere, whether you're mm-hmm. in a different culture, just remembering yeah. to keep that cultural sensitivity, cultural humility, and yes. keep going with those little little gestures of kindness or whether it's at home in your relationship. I think little things matter no matter where you are. Exactly. I agree. All right, so just for fun, let's kind of flip this on its head for a second and look at the other side of it, the coin, which is okay. um, little acts of annoyances or little rude gestures because just like yeah. little acts of love build up over time and create a strong relationship, it's those little things in marriage or dating that can also be the big turnoff too. So yes. Song of Solomon 2.15 says, catch all the little foxes before they ruin the vineyard of love for the grape, grapevines are blossoming. And I love that picture of, you know, foxes, a bunch of little foxes can ruin a vineyard and the little foxes in our relationship that, um, can tear them apart too. The little annoyances that happen day in and day out where the frustration builds over time, the resentments build over time. What oh, do yeah. you guys think? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you were talking about the, the, the tropics and the islands. Well, St. Thomas has filled a lot of little annoyances like that. Yeah. You can ask uh, to kill a lot of little annoyances in the islands. Oh, well, I don't really have too much to say about it, but I mean, it happens. You just have to deal with it. Don't let it make you, you know, or break you. Just keep going, keep pushing. Yeah. To how big the ball yeah. is. Shatila and the little annoyances. I think I know where you're going with it. You're you're going to the bugs again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, you already know. <laughs> Bugs, mosquitoes. <laughs> Can't put a name to some of those bugs. And I've actually been starting to see a few bugs here in Georgia. Lord help me. <laughs> oh, no. All right, right. So here's why I brought up the bugs, though, because one of my favorite favorite quotes from this year was um, somebody who, who said something to the fact of you don't ever hear stories about somebody dying from an elephant bite. But you do hear stories of people just being annoyed and bothered and pestered by mosquito bites. And it's the little things that bite you. And so sometimes in relationships, it's death by a million mosquito bites. The small things can turn into big things, I understand. Yeah. So how do we get those little annoyances out of out of there? What do we do? Well, you have to, <clears throat> pardon me. We have to take an active part in paying attention to what's going on. If we really seriously want to have a relationship, we need to really pay attention to what can I do, not so much what can I say, but what can I do, because actions speak louder than words, in the little ways that will... Send the message, I care. I'm involved. I want to do something for you. So I think it's when we pay more attention to our nonverbal 
more than we do the verbals so we begin to make an impact. Well, I like that one. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. It's going to be like my post for next week. Oh, my goodness. He's quoting me now. <laughs> <laughs> I would say don't get too caught up in the small things. You know, things happen. Life's not perfect. No one's perfect. So, you know, don't get too caught up in the small things and look at the big picture at the end of the day. But also do small things to, to indicate that you're concerned about the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I hear at and saying, kind of starting with awareness, and you've yes. got to be aware of the things that make a difference. And then, Shatila, I love what you're saying about not getting caught up on the small things. But it's so easy to get stuck on something small and to hone in on it. And then all of a sudden, small that negative small annoyance yeah. mm-hmm. seems like the biggest thing in the world. Yes. Right. I know I've, I've certainly been there before. Mm-hmm. You can't get past the small things. You can do when something big happens. So true. One of my favorite stories, and I think I've told it on here before, but it's so worth sharing. Um, it's one that I heard 10 years ago, and it stuck with me. It was a speaker who said his, his wife would leave the drawers open, the dresser yeah. drawers open, and he would bang his shins, stub his toes, and it just became this point of contention in the relationship where he would and he would lecture his wife and he would show her the bruises and he would talk to her and tell her she needed to, you know, close the, close the drawers. And it really became one of those small foxes and points of contention in their relationship. And then one day he banged his shin and it was the final straw, you know, big bang. And he thought, she left this open again. I can't believe it. He slammed it closed and then realized in that moment he had just solved the problem. And from that moment on, every time he saw a dresser drawer open, instead of asking his wife to close it, trying to teach her how to close it, pestering or bugging her, he would just say, you know what, I really love my wife. She's really important. And closed the, yeah. closed the drawer, took care of the problem. He said, every, now, every time I see a drawer open, I'm just going to remind myself how much I love my wife, how much I care about her. I'm going to close the drawer, and it's going to be my new job and what I take responsibility for around the house. I said after that, the, there was no more issue. That's exactly what we're talking about, doing the small nonverbals rather than the verbals. Yeah. So sometimes I think it's finding the points of contention in our relationship and taking care of them ourselves. You know, it might be a yeah. wife who wants to go out on more dates and is just incredibly frustrated that husband's not taking the time to set up the dates. Well, that would be ideal, but it might be that you catch the small foxes by taking responsibility for setting up these small dates or small adding yourself. And again, it may not be the ideal, but it's one way of solving the point of contention because I think so often we have more power than we realize. Yeah, right. You have to change your mindset. Change your mindset, Absolutely. <laughs> My friend Eric says all the time you always have a choice. I think sometimes I we give our power more. away. Oh, go yes. For it. I, I was just going to say I learned that from my uh, supervisor when I was in the Air Force. She was a psychiatrist from Puerto Rico, had a very thick Spanish accent. But she always said to me and to pass on to the patient with whom I work, 
Remember now, you always have a choice. You can always make a choice whether you take a positive consequence or a negative consequence. The choice is yours. Don't blame it on other people. The choice is yours. And I remember she constantly reminded all of us in our staff meetings as well as in our therapy sessions that we always had choices. And you know what? I remember that too with Glasser, William Glasser, saying that about choices. It's a lot of things. Absolutely. Yeah, options throughout life either make a right choice or a wrong time, whichever way. Alright. I'm back. We were fixing some stuff up for a crying baby and <laughs> I know. Daddy wearing multiple uh, hats. Yes. <laughs> Which is fun, kind of hanging out with you and in the midst of doing life here and there at the same time, but it's good. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad to do the same thing, Jess. <laughs> All right. Shatila, since I got you on the line and we're in this topic of love and marriage and relationships and the small things we can do, um, kind of the exciting news for me is my book, 131 Creative Conversations for Families, officially launched today. So it's oh, gone from being available for pre-order to being available for order. And um, I had fun with you guys last week just going through some of the questions and getting wisdom from you guys. And so today for fun, I thought I would turn to the love love chapter, so all about love conversations. So this is something I want to I teach my kids, too. Yeah, I think if we don't talk to our kids about these things, they are going to learn from romantic comedies on TV and fairy tales and movies, and they're not really going to know what real love is and what real relationships look like. Yeah. All right. So here's one of my one of my conversation starters. What do you think a good first date looks like, and at what age do you think people should begin dating? Shatila, I'm I'm curious to hear from you because as a dad of four daughters, this is something that I don't have the answer to and I'm trying to figure out myself. <laughs> and I'm glad I what don't have it? to think about it yet because I know I know that nine and ten years old is not that age. Right. <laughs> I think a good age to start dating um is teenage years, but the latter teenage years, like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. And that actually depends on the maturity level of the of the person because not all people are mature at the same time and we get there at different times. Now what a perfect date is is when a man or if you're that age, when a boy has men um what is saying? Um, yeah, qualities where like they open the door for her or they take her out on a date to the movies or what have you and they pay for it. I think that's a first um, perfect good date at that young age. But I think you have to be mature and you have to also, you know, sit down and have the conversation about the birds and the bees with your daughters or sons prior to them going out on that first date because that's going to be the time when you're not there, even though you may want to be a fly on the wall 
you have to make sure that they're mature enough to be able to handle whatever may happen to them and also have a cell phone with a tracker on it. Mm-hmm. Come in hot. <laughs> Come in Cell phone with a tracker. I like that one. <laughs> That'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you hovering over your iPad the whole whole time. Oh, where are you now? Oh, don't you go down there. Uh-huh. Inspector Gadget sitting too Oh, no, you're not going down there. Right. Incognito. <laughs> what y'all doing? <laughs> but, yeah, I just think you have to have that conversation with your children to make sure that they're at a maturity level to be able to stand anything that may happen or tell them, you know, what, what could happen, how will you react, role play, and stuff like that. I like what you're saying, though, because I hear you saying that you're starting off talking about respect from the very first date, and that, mm-hmm. again, it's, it comes down to those small things, small things like opening the door, paying for the date, um, the guy asking asking the girl out. So a lot of those um, traditional roles that nowadays are starting to fade away a little bit or the line was starting to, to blur but um, mm-hmm. really reinforcing those. And I think those added a lot of boundaries and structure and um, just good habits, good expectations. Right. If you start early and you lay that groundwork, and um, what, a, what a great way to establish what normal in a relationship should look like. Right. Well, I think now there is... He opens the door for me all the time when people see that in public. You're like, oh, he's... Well, he's well-mannered. He's a good child. He opens the door for you. I'm like, yeah, I didn't think of it, but yeah. <laughs> what a great thing, though, when these small acts of love can just become second nature so that they're, they're habit and not doing them mm-hmm. feel weird. Right. Exactly. What a great way to set your, set your son up for a strong relationship for the rest of his life. I mean, okay. picturing him on a date in the future and even, you know, with his future wife and just thinking, man, if he starts these habits now, there might come a good time when he doesn't open the door and he's going to be like, wait a minute, this doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. This is weird. This is awkward. Versus kind of the other way around when you wait until somebody is maybe already in their late teen years and then have them practice opening the doors. There's that feeling of, well, this is kind of weird. This is kind of awkward. Right. Well, it was previously a learning curve. I remember one time he held the door for an elderly lady, and she didn't say thank you. So he was, like, five years old. He's like, Mom, she didn't say thank you. She didn't say thank you. I said, well, that's fine. Not all people say thank you. Um, and then so she heard me say that, so she just turned around. She said, thank you, young man. He said, it's too late now. <laughs> oh, no. I love how honest kids are. They will, they will call you on stuff. Right. <laughs> but it taught him that there's different people in the world, you know, and not everybody says thank you, so don't get upset about it. Yeah. It's really taking advantage of those teachable moments when they come up, and there's so many of those. Right. I agree. Jen, before you go any further, tell the audience about your book again, please. It's out today. And congratulations. Yep, 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 right. Yeah, a book is out today. It's called 131 Creative Conversations for Families. 
And what my goal is is to get families to talk more and connect more. I read a statistic that says the average family spends about eight hours together each week, and most of that spent in front of a TV, smartphone, um, really just kind of disengaged and disconnected. And so the goal is to help families talk more and to talk about some of the more difficult topics. Um, there's nothing in here that's really tough to talk about or really embarrassing or awkward or weird, but there are things that would maybe be hard to bring up. And I know sometimes when you have a book in front of you and you're going through questions one by one, it almost gives you permission to talk about things that you know you need to talk about. Yeah. But you kind of feel weird just bringing them up in casual conversation. And so all of a sudden, like, there's a whole chapter on love. And you can either go through, you know, the 10 questions one by one, or you can go through and just pick out your favorite ones. So yeah. each chapter starts with an introduction to a key family value. Um, we've got things like grit and spiritual conversations, conversations all about rules and structure and family rules, um, conversations about careers. Those um, parents and kids need to um, talk about careers and jobs and all of that early on. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, that's how I how I got my first job. Yeah. So just at the gym. Oh, go for it. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Finish. Nope. I was going to say, my very first job, I was at the gym with my dad, and he said, Dad, I think you should get a job this summer. I said, I would love that, and I have no idea how to begin. And he said, well, there's a hiring to do next week. I'll, you know, drive you down there. Why don't we talk about how you're going to prepare for the interview? And that's how I got my very first job. I had finished my sophomore year in high school, and... Um, it was summer break, and I ended up making hot dogs and ice cream cones at the San Diego Zoo. <laughs> I, I thought I thought you were going to say you end up making a hundred dollars for that first hour. <laughs> <laughs> I made I twenty five an hour back then, and it was more than minimum wow. wage, and I was I was very happy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's your book available, Isaiah? It's available on Amazon. So if you type in 131 creative conversations with families, it should should come right up. So Jed, if a if a listener gets your book and goes through and counts 131 conversational pieces and they find they find 132, they consider they can consider the extra one a bonus. You could consider it a bonus, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is just, it available on ebook, Jed? It is, it is. You can get either a paperback copy or an ebook, and the ebook is ninety nine cents um for the rest of this month. So we've got a special oh. launch price going and wanna get it in the mm-hmm. hands of as many readers as I can. Fantastic. Awesome. You come up with some good work, Jed. I'm I'm really pleased oh, to be you. working with you. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. This one was fun to write. In fact, um, most of it I wrote between um, 3 and 6 in the morning while we're holding little um, Emmeline. Those, um, <laughs> those first, that first month and a half with a newborn, it is, it is yeah. just tag team, Jenny and I. Wow. So it was, it was some long nights, but um, just bonding and hanging out, too. Yeah. 
That's a blessing. Too cute. You got your new sidekick in the shadow. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good that you're hands-on with your, your kids, your girls. That's really cute. Oh, thank you. It's it's fun, mm-hmm. and they're more than worth it. Great. Mm-hmm. Amen to that. All right, guys. It has flown by, but we are almost at 7.30, and that means I've got to rush out the door and on to the next thing. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll catch you next week then. Thanks ever so much for spending time with us, as usual, on the Mondays. I love hanging out with you guys. <laughs> Thank you. See you next week, Jess. A regard to the family. Thank you, guys. God bless. I will see you guys next week. Yes, right. we will. God's willing. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, yes. Okay, take care now. Bye-bye. Chet always comes up with fantastic topics. Mm-hmm. I like the way he wraps our behavior into spiritual reinforcement. Yes. Wow. Well, there we go, folks. Another edition or another episode of Conversation Coffee Shop Conversation Segment. And today we were talking about small actions impact all relationships. If you go on Jed's blog, you'll see he says marriage. But I took it a step further because marriage starts off as a dating, and dating starts off as relationship. In fact, anytime you put two people together, you have a relationship one way or another. So the small impacts will bring about positive outcome if that's what we choose to do. Jill, we're just about out of time. Any last-minute thoughts? Um, I would just say don't sweat the small stuff. Always be mindful of your partner. Try to be a helping hand, listening ear, or shoulder to cry on when need be. But just live life. Don't let it live you. And my, very good. Thank you. And my closing thought would be keep in mind, actions speak louder than words. Smart person or person said that once upon a time, and it makes a lot of sense. Small actions, the small things do impact relationships. So with that, we say so long for now until next Monday at 10 Eastern, 9 Central, 8 Mountain, and 7 Pacific Time. Thank you, folks. Take care. See you next week. Bye-bye, Shatila. Bye-bye, Aiken. Bye-bye, Jed. Bye, all. Bye-bye.